Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I'll be reporting back from a conference, Blockchain Bridge. It was all about enterprise uses of the blockchain, and I got to catch up with my friends, David Moss, who's the CEO of StrongBlock, and David Nage, who is a partner at Arca and has his own podcast called Baselayer. So don't go away. So in tech news this week, I want to talk about two things. One is that Union City, which is right next to Fremont here in Silicon Valley, they got hacked and all the systems are down. And we've done a lot of shows on ransomware, malware. It's not clear yet what's exactly happening in Union City because they're still in remediation. But the whole city is shut down right now. You can't have permits. You can't have licenses. And so we'll keep on top of that. Also, in what is not a surprise, Adam Newman, the CEO of WeWork, has stepped down and is going to be a non-executive chairman of the board. Uh, WeWork has been in a lot of news lately because of their failed IPO and people questioning their business model. WeWork is the co-working giant that was valued at one point at over $45 billion and has a large investment by SoftBank. So they've pulled their IPO. It's yet to be seen what's going to happen next. And that's the Tech News of the Week. I am joined with a very special guest and friend, David Moss, who is the CEO of StrongBlock. Welcome, David. Hey, Keith. But to really talk about David, I need to put in the time machine, go back to June of 2018 last year, which is the last time I saw David face-to-face. And at my Tulip Conference 1.0, David and Thomas Cox, and we'll get into why in a second, uh, they were on stage with me, and we were talking about a a blockchain that was emerging called EOSIO, or EOSIO, all the rage, really big ICO, global news, and it just turns out that at Tulip Conference, uh, it had not yet been voted by the community to launch, and that was kind of a cliffhanger. And as the conference died down, David and Thomas went upstairs at our conference center, uh, hosted, was it 300 participants, David? Yeah. Uh, to unanimously launch, uh, to vote to launch the EOS mainnet, and within a week, the network launched, and I wanted to catch up with David of, that was certainly a rush, and what's it been like since? Well, thanks, Keith. When we were doing the launch, uh, it was it was very interesting being at the Tulip Conference, because both Thomas and I were on panels with you and also did uh, keynotes there, but in the background, we were also talking with all the various groups, and there were three different groups who had all... In different re- for different reasons, decided that they would not give a go vote to launch the EOS uh, mainnet. And so we were in between speaking and being on stage. We were talking with them privately and working on just lobbying them to find out what are your objections to having this this vote happen. And so it was really it just it was a, a huge rush that night to go and I think it was about 
um, seven in the evening, something yeah. like that. We had all these people on there, and we said, okay, well, let's go for a vote. We've been going through this for weeks, trying to get people you know, to do it. And I was actually amazed because everybody said yes, and there was just the people were were screaming and shouting and celebrating, and it was just this, the, a big rush. And uh, it was just a really cool occasion because these are people from all over the world, um, block producers, hundreds of block producers, candidates who wanted to be a part of it. And they all got to participate in this global community that was brought about by somebody creating an open source uh, software package that I was uh, was, uh, the head of development for. Yeah, it, it is an amazing story. So David was the head of development for Block One, and Thomas was the head of governance for Block One, and both these gentlemen in their own right are very well known, doing keynotes all around the world. Going back to that exact moment in time when the vote was taking place, and um, I'm sure if people Google it, they'll see like Brady Bunch's nine boxes. This was like a hundred box video chat. Uh, we were hosting the Tulip Conference. There were 17 block producer candidates living yes. in a single house. And I'd like to think that that had, sharing a house for the entire week might have had something a little bit to do with the actual lobbying, just like government lobbying that was going on. I, I this is great. I didn't know that. You didn't know that. I didn't know they were all sharing. That's that's amazing. That's an amazing fact. We, I just saw them all on video. The big global family. I thought everybody was like dispersed. Well, they were dispersed globally, okay. Keith. I mean, some people, yeah. all the tulip block producers were in a house, and a lot of those people became top twenty-one block producers yes. at least at the start. Right, right, and we'll get into that. But yes, we paid for a house because it was international. And remember, if you think about the kind of bohemian lifestyle, um, it hadn't launched yet. People had put a lot of their time, effort, and their own personal money into it. So indeed, I sponsored a house uh, to host block producers, and it ended up that 17 of them were living in the same house all week. Now, it was great. The house was in this, um, I forget it was the Richmond or Sunset District, but it was a really nice Airbnb. It was not like some uh, podunk thing. It was, a, it was a really nice San Francisco house. It was an Air CNB, an Air Castle and Breakfast. It sounds <laughs> like you literally got a castle. Well, it wasn't Crypto Castle, but it, it was nice. That's beautiful. I, I, have you have you shared this with on, on the radio before? Nope, this first time. This is this is real. I'm, I'm so so glad that you decided to, to share this with me. I didn't know that. So in the middle of us doing all of this, there was an extraordinary amount of excitement, and everybody just wanted to see it launched. And so when we got that yes vote. That was huge. And then we had to go do the mechanics, right? We had to select an anonymous or basically the the founding block producer that sets everything up. Again, this is on the technical side. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Somebody who's just going to set it up, get everything ready, and then have everybody else kind of come in and start joining. And so I I also had the honor of... um, Again, I selected them, but we did it through a random process to be able to select people from a pool. And I was also that the person who communicated with that, um, with the uh, the original anonymous block producer that started the EOS mainnet. And um, that name uh, still has not been disclosed, and nor will I disclose it. But I did get to meet that person in person this uh, over this last year. Oh wow! I thought there were names written on the Genesis block. There were names written on the Genesis block, but it doesn't say specifically who it was who was the anonymous block producer. I got it. And um, uh, it was actually a bunch of people. No matter who we selected, we knew that there was going to be a team of about 12 people that were all going to cooperate. So then fast forward, once that was done, then the whole idea was to have um, an EOS mainnet, an actual blockchain mainnet. Now, that really wasn't what 
my intention was, nor was it the intention of Dan Larimer or Block One. What we were looking for was we built EOSIO as MIT open source software mm -hmm. for block, as a blockchain operating system. The EOS mainnet, which I also first helped build the EOSIO software, launched the EOS mainnet with the EOS token. But the goal was to release it as MIT open source and then build on it. We never envisioned, Dan and I were kind of talking with each other when this was going live, and we never, we didn't understand why people weren't coming up with a hundred different blockchains or a thousand, just one. And so we felt that one blockchain to a certain extent, it's kind of one size fits all, right? You know, it says everybody go to one place on the internet. Well, they do go to Facebook and Instagram and a handful of places now. So we were looking at it from the perspective of this is like Linux and we want to be Red Hat or this is like, you know, the internet, we want to be WordPress or this is like the internet, we want to be Dropbox. And so that was what we decided that we were going to do with Strongbox. Strongbox was going to provide that layer well, to allow people to build on. The I'm going to pause right there because I want to talk about strong block. Yeah. So, but it was great reminiscing with you, David. So, once again, I have David Moss, who's the CEO of Strong Block and the former head of development for EOS IO for Block One. Any questions or comments? Email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders, welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with David Moss, who is the CEO of StrongBlock and the former head of development for Block One. Welcome back, David. Hey. So, David, when we ran out of time in our first segment, we were just about to get into the segue into your new project, StrongBlock. Let's talk about that. Well, after we finished up doing the launch, we, um, I, I went back to my hotel room, hadn't eaten all day, um, collapsed, and then started thinking, what are we going to do? We'd already been, I'd already left Block One right before this. My goal was to be work in development internally at Block One and then be part of the launch because you could. Block One had as has a policy not to work with block producers. They wanted to keep arms length, sure. so they wouldn't control the network. And so I was the only person who was involved in both the development of and the launch of the EOS mainnet. I, they hold that interesting distinction. We had been planning a blockchain company. And we were trying to figure out what to do. We were strongly encouraged by a lot of the people out there, um, including Block One, to be kind of consensus for EOS. My experience as a consultant told me that, well, there's a problem with that, is that the consulting part of it really you know, takes a lot of... Um, you're always wishing that you would have built a product. And what we felt was, was missing was the idea of a, um, like I said, a Red Hat for, um, for blockchain or a WordPress for blockchain or a Dropbox for blockchain or for EOS. Our goal was to come up with something along those lines, productize that, have it so it's all orchestrated, make it super easy. And so that's what, that was when, when Strongbox was formed, literally right... I guess it was just a couple weeks later, right at the end of June. So July 1st, 2018, we formed StrongBlock, and it was myself. Uh, a bunch of us got to leave um, Block One. Uh, this was part of our the, part of our our terms of, of, of doing this is that 
um, it was myself, Thomas Cox, Corey Letterer, Brian, um, uh, and um, Brian Abramson were all employees number two, three, four, and five for Block One LLC, right. which was the development yeah. arm of Block One, and so we were all able to to leave. Uh, and uh, start our own company. And um, so that's what we've been working on over the last year. And we've gone through a number of different iterations where each time we thought we made it easier to be able to get your get your blockchain set up and be able to have a marketplace, we would take it to people and they would say, yeah, it's not as easy as you think. And so my goal was to make it really super easy because we saw the hundreds of enterprises that we were talking with struggling with getting just a simple pilot launched. They couldn't find the resources. They couldn't. They didn't understand blockchain. It took forever to get things set up, and then it didn't scale. So we've we solved all those problems. But it took us a while to figure out how to do that, and also how to get the price down. Because one of the big things that you probably are aware of with all the block producers that were out there, the three hundred plus, some of them invested half a million to a million dollars in hardware oh, to be able to get things set up. And it was kind of heartbreaking when some of them didn't weren't able to be in the top twenty one or even the top fifty to make any money. And now, recently, a number of the ones that were at the Tulip Conference, all that, uh, all the, the seventeen block. Oh, I, I'm, an, I'm an advisor to ES42, which was consistently in the top ten until recently. Yeah, and so now they've it, that, they've all been replaced by uh, voting wise by uh, most li- not even most likely, but by Chinese um, token holders. Our goal was well, all these people have provided an extraordinary dedication to EOS as an operating system and as a, as, as a and the whole idea was could we make a world in which they would be able to continue having um, businesses and so that's the, the whole idea of strong block and the strong block marketplace is allow people to easily create their own right now it's an EOSIO blockchain but we're blockchain agnostic uh, very very rapidly do that then um, and it will scale later on right EOS goes it actually does scale instead of doing it on Ethereum then when you're done you can go to the marketplace find block producers find dApp developers find dApps find things you can download them, put them on your blockchain right then and get it running. And, and literally in minutes, now you can do the things that you need to do. There's a latent, um, we feel that there's a latent need for this marketplace. The marketplace of people who need blockchains built and people who want, can build blockchains, there's no place for them to get together. That's what we're providing with a platform for them to easily build on. So we want to we want to open that up to the community, and we have already 30 of those those original teams that we worked with are already our partners, and they're going to be in our marketplace. So we're looking forward to just opening that up to the community so that everybody can get a piece of that pie that right now seems to have been kind of pretty much selfishly taken by just the token holders and Block One. Yeah, that was a good summary of what happened since the mainnet launch. And again, um, kind of the first first foray to delegated proof of stake, great intention, a uh, lot of heart and soul put into that, but in terms oh, yeah. of can't fight human nature. Yeah, well, it ends up becoming, we had kind of predicted a race to the bottom, um, and uh, at least Thomas and I had that people were going to end up just figuring out, well, how do we how do we buy votes? How do we you know get get it so that we can have our friends who are block producers? We were aware of a number of campaigns that were already going on where people had figured out how to bypass the constitution and everything else to be able to vote their vote the block producers in that would allow them to get money. Then they would give them a twenty or thirty percent kickback um, to do that. So we knew that that stuff was going to happen. 
But EOSIO is software. Well, let's see. There's governance, and it's configurable governance. Smart contracts are written in a regular programming language, C++. It's benchmarked right now at 4,000 transactions a second. Accounts are recoverable. It has a ha- account hierarchy system. Um, it has delegated proof of stake, so there's a, a nice decentralized component that you can put into it. Um, it has all everything that you need. It's just right now, here we are, you know, over a year later, and um, every enterprise I go into, um, they say, this like a brand name thing. It's like if you're trying to sell Ford or she- Chevy or Toyota or something like that, and you come in, my, my, car, my car name, it's, it's called a Moss. I want you to buy a Moss car because it's this really cool car and everybody should have a Moss car. It's like, well, do you compete? Well, we, we used to work for, for this company called um, GM, but now this is the Moss car and nobody's going to buy your car. And this is the problem is that the name brand recognition out there is for Ethereum. And Ethereum, um, I'll, hopefully uh, we'll figure out if your audience is okay with this. Ethereum and, 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 and Consensus and Ethereum Enterprise Alliance kind of peed in the pool. They went out there and they said, we've got this incredible, incredible um, blockchain and we can get it out there and you can use it for all these things and it'll, you'll, it'll scale one day, we promise. Yeah. Um, and um, so they got everybody excited and everybody, lots and lots of companies that we're talking with have already built on Ethereum and it failed. It couldn't scale. And so that's this got a lot of people disillusioned. We believe that that is going to start changing. Gartner Group believes that's going to start changing. But when you've got so many people that were sold Ethereum and then Ethereum didn't scale, you got a problem. The problem that Dave and I were discussing was really about how Bitcoin was blockchain 1.0 in a sense. Ethereum was really blockchain 2.0. It was a platform and it proved out a lot of use cases. It was really good for showing that blockchain could be Beyond a cryptocurrency, it could be used for utility and you can build applications on it. But inherently, both Bitcoin and Ethereum are very slow regarding transaction speed. That's okay if your application doesn't require a high-speed transaction. But once you hit that limit, that's where all the craziness occurred a couple years back as the cryptocurrency aspects of these blockchains scaled. It became too expensive to use and too slow to use. So instead, David and team in building out EOS as a platform, they had scalability in mind and really with the whole intent that both corporations and individuals and people as part of the ecosystem could adopt a high-speed transaction network. And there's other blockchains being built with those principles as well. So I wanted to thank David again for this segment and... He will be in our next segment as well to keep going on what he's doing with StrongBlock. If you have any questions or comments on today's show, email us at info at svn.biz. Always come to our website, svn.biz, to check out the latest going on in our events and our upcoming speakers, and we'll be right back. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. 
On today's show, I've been talking about the recent Blockchain Bridge Enterprise Blockchain Conference. I've been catching up with my friend, David Moss, who's also the CEO of StrongBlock and former head of development for Block One. For today's cyber tip, I really want to give an extreme word of caution to anyone in the military or soon to leave the military. There's a new hack which is offering soon-to-be military veterans the opportunity to download an application, and that's all in the guise of helping you find jobs after you leave the service. That sounds great, except that it's going to most likely infect malware on your machine. And once that malware is on your machine, it's going to be able to collect all the information about you, about how your machine is configured, about any account you're using on that machine. And so just an extra word of caution that to always know exactly what you're downloading and who you're getting it from and be vigilant. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with David Moss, who's the founder and CEO of StrongBlock, whose tagline is Blockchains Anywhere, and was formerly head of development for Block One, who released the EOS IO software. Welcome back, David. Hey, Keith. So in our last segment, David, we were just getting into uh, the underpinnings of blockchain, what StrongBlock's all about in the tagline, Blockchains Anywhere. Let's pick up back from that. And, we, and just before we did that, we were talking about the efficiency of using the MIT open source yeah. um, contract versus the GPL. So let's pick that back up and then keep going. All right. Well, so when Dan Larimer, Dan Larimer originally had the vision to publish this as open source software under the MIT open source license, that is a great license to have because there are almost no restrictions. You don't have to actually take what you've built and publish it back and make it open source for everybody else. Um, Red Hat, for example, had some restrictions under GPL, yet they built a business that they sold to IBM last year for, what, $34 billion? Yes. And all they were doing was not... It, they, they called it, a lot of people thought that Red Hat sold a break-fix model. In other words, we'll come in and fix things when there is a problem. That was the opposite of Red Hat's model. Red Hat's model was, let's make really great, easy-to-use software that doesn't break very often so that you can buy it with confidence and install it in enterprises. That was their model. That's That was what they're shooting for. And so we're following something similar using that MIT open source license. We can actually generate right now... You OSIO blockchains. There'll be other blockchains later on, but the idea behind that and using open source is that there's a huge group of people that are continually contributing to that open source code, including block one. They have new things that are making it go faster than 4,000 transactions a second, adding new features on, and we get to be the beneficiaries of that and also contribute to it. A number of people on our team contributed to the original, still have contributions in there for the original project. But you also then get to have that community that's building on the open source stuff. Now, the problem was, was, well, why would you need Red Hat if Linux is out there and it's an open source foundation? It's like, well, because enterprises didn't trust that a bunch of people working in their basements at you know two in the morning were going to be able to keep their enterprises running. They wanted to know that somebody had taken the time to add security and all the other things onto it. That's what we've done for EOSIO. 
We've also, we, we've just basically taken that at strong block. We have taken that for EOSAO and other blockchains in the future to allow you to be able to create a working blockchain that you know that you can scale. It's not a break-fix model. We don't want to be your consultants to come in and fix your blockchain. We're delivering an extremely easy-to-use blockchain that has all the EOSIO or other blockchain features. You can have it up and running in a couple of minutes, and then you can go to the marketplace, find what you need to be able to, to have there. And so what we've done, and this is something that we talked about um, earlier today. You know, we're, we're at a conference right. today, and at the conference we were talking about adoption and about enterprises using uh, this stuff. We've talked with, uh, at, at um, Strombach alone, over uh, almost 100 enterprises. I think it's 85, 86. And we're talking with all of them in fast-moving consumer goods. That's like beverages and things. Consumer goods, um, luxury goods, retail, um, a supply chain, transportation. Um, let's see, what are some of the other ones? Um, certificates, steel, oil and gas, energy. All of these groups, we're advising them and letting them know, and we're getting input from them. They've been working with on, on our alpha platform, and we've been working with them on a non-paid basis so that we can make sure that we understand what enterprises are really looking for. So when we launch on October 1st, which is coming up pretty quick here, then all of the, the lessons that we've learned are going to be there, as well as the cost lessons. We realized that people didn't want to have to pay money up front to get started on this. So we, we actually figured out, I know that the block, we were talking about block producers putting in half a million to a million dollars. We actually have a model right now that allows people to create a, a, a blockchain and have all the features of that blockchain. Let's say EOSIO is our, our main example. That's where we came from. And our, our cost to add another group that wants to have one of those blockchains, if we have another thousand of them, our cost is minimal. Uh, not another, not a half million dollars, not an, almost no cost at all. But that's what took us a good portion of the time to do, is bringing it for free with all the functionality and fast so that biz businesses can focus on business. Coach David, so I commend you and the team for thinking of it. Uh, as I advise and consult, not blockchain companies, but other companies, drones as a service companies, we're adopting a very similar approach. It's yeah. very efficient. It proves to the customer base, especially enterprise customers, that you have skin in the game. And I think it, I think it makes all the sense of the world. And I do want to say, you know, one thing about what you're doing, because you're talking about lots of car analogies. Because <laughs> you're talking about a Moss car yeah. versus a GM car. I would say it differently. If you, um, and, I, and I did the same thing, I did an analogy last year on stage with you and Thomas about um, your approach to building EOSIO. If Henry Ford can build your car for you cheaper and better than he did for himself, mm -hmm. that's really the opportunity here because it's not something that I need to give an endorsement to. Your team built this uh, general purpose blockchain that scales and has lots of great features built into it. And that was like a 1.0 product for ESO. If you can, and one thing I, I speak about often in explaining blockchain to people, especially enterprise folks, is that it's really parallel universes. And so the ability to create based on open source software, because let's be honest, I could clone open source anytime I wanted to. This is the thing that people blow sure. their mind. People don't understand that they can clone open source software, but you can't clone the community or the experience. Nope. 
and that's what makes it a parallel universe. Well, I love what you said. That was that was very well put. Is that um, when you're talking about Henry Ford, he came up with a way to build cars cheaper than he could build them for himself. We've done that. That's just, I love that. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to use that. Keith. thank you. But we've we've come up with a way to build blockchains cheaper than we could when we originally built them sure. for ourselves because we're pretty sure when the the 21 block producers that went live for the US mainnet, we're pretty sure that there is like 10 plus million dollars worth of hardware and, and, and equipment in oh, the, I, I the was, very I, least. I was helping a lot of them with the configuration and actually uh, getting quotes on what the hardware and software costs would be. Okay, well, so so now so now the question is, if it's free, what can you do? As opposed to having to get buy-in, you don't have to. Again, on our software, it's it, all to get started. Everything is free. The marketplace is there. You've got DApps that you can download and put on your blockchain, and everything that you can do. But the idea is, is we want adoption. This is this is my, I guess the thing, the gift that we're trying to give here is that we're trying to make sure that blockchain isn't a rounding error. It isn't something like string theory or other, something else for physics that never gets adopted because everybody's so much interested in, in hyping it and talking about how great it is. We're just interested in seeing people try blockchain. A lot of people got burnt by trying Ethereum and trying Hyperledger. And again, beautiful things. I, we wouldn't be here if, 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 if Ethereum and Bitcoin didn't exist before this, but EOSIO is a third generation blockchain right. operating system. There'll be more. There'll be newer versions of that. There'll be other blockchain chain operating systems but now once we've leveled the playing field this is what happened with mp3s right this is what happened with recording studios there was a time when record every recording studio on the planet that you went to happen you would have to invest 10 million dollars into hardware and outboard gear and all sorts of other stuff now you can get a macbook laptop with with um, logic reason or pro tools and a couple of microphones with microphone adapters and for you know two thousand bucks you have your own recording studio and people have done that and they actually have hit records with those things now. We're looking at doing that same kind of revolution for that WordPress did, that Red Hat did, that the, the um, low-cost recording tools did. Any of those kind of innov uh, innovations, that's what we're looking at doing is making this so that everybody who wants to use it can use it. People famously said, why would you need your own website? Nobody's going to have a website. Bill Gates, um, when he was hiring um, um, Steve Ballmer, he said to Bomber, my goal is that everybody in, in the world have their own PC. And Bomber laughed, it's my understanding. Well, Bill also said that he didn't see why anyone would ever need one, more than one megabyte of memory. Yes. Well, <laughs> there, there's, there's foresight. There's not quite getting, getting it. But, um, again, not being able to extrapolate, like, you know, Moore's Law, how much those things would increase, how much the capacity would increase. But that's the whole idea is we don't know at Strongblock what the big innovation is going to be. Somebody may come along and say, now that blockchain is free for me to get started with, to build out my prototype, I can do that here, and I'm now going to come up with this new thing. Maybe it's for, for charities, or for maybe maybe it's something for, uh, we've talked a lot about this, about uh, consumer advocacy, where people are reporting things in, but they're reporting from from the scene, um, or, or digital, uh, digital advocacy, or photographs that are the original photographs. We don't even know, and this is exactly the idea. It's like, you know, we don't know what, what would what would people want to do with a PC? Why would why would people want a PC? Their own smartphone? Why would they want to pay on the internet? Why would they want to have a mobile app? Why would they want to be able to both chat and and watch movies on their app? Everybody said those things before. We're saying that about blockchain. Why not blockchain? And let's find out what you can do with the blockchain 
And so that's one of the you, you talked about taglines, block you know blockchain everywhere. The other the other part of it is um, what will you do with your blockchain? If you can build your own blockchain, what would you do? And right now, we don't even know. We've only opened it up to this small group of people who have a lot of money and, and are in cryptocurrency and are at enterprises. And let's open it up to everybody and find out what really happens. And I agree with that. And with that, David, we're out of time. So once again, thanks for being on the show today. David Moss, CEO of StrongBlock. And he's doing great things. We're looking at for a launch October 1st. October 1st. All right. Well, David, I'm going to keep staying very close to you to see what's going on. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svnupis, and we'll be right back. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. I am at the Blockchain Bridge San Francisco Conference, and I'm about to do a panel with David Nage, who is the principal at ARCA, and also his own podcast show, Layer. Out of New York. Welcome, David. Thank you. So, David, it was a really interesting conversation that we both felt like we just had to get out there. We were talking about the state of blockchain as a technology and what it really needs to progress forward. And, of course, the conversation always starts off with, what about dApps? Right. You know, I think what we're seeing right now is that, as an ecosystem, we talk a lot about the substrate levels and layers of query, of storage, of search, And we don't necessarily today have an all-encompassing interoperable layer, an application that we can use like a Facebook or like a Google search or like a Twitter because it's still very singular in focus. We're trying to get all of those single layers of substrate correct and functional and performant. We're trying to get them scaled. We're trying to make sure that the governance works very well. And we're still really early in a lot of those processes to get those protocols working together. And interoperability to me you know, is a few years away because you need to have the ability to get proof of work working with proof of stake or delegate a proof of stake or you know, proof of history and some of the other different kind of consensus models that are out there. So while we're still kind of thinking about the future, we have to be very cognizant of what we are dealing with right now. And as an ecosystem, we get very excited about these singular projects. But for real user adoption, you know, Bob and Mary in you know, Madison, Wisconsin, who are using Twitter or use Amazon.com every day, and that's what they're used to, they are not going to have that kind of an experience right now with a blockchain-powered kind of single-layer application or DAP. Also, what's happening, too, is that with single-layer dApps, you're very focused on just one chain. And those chains, especially Ethereum and Bitcoin, at layer one are still very slow. You know, transactions per second on Bitcoin are about three. On Ethereum, you're sub-10. And so in this day and age, as I like to say, we're all speed junkies. We're on demand. We want our food there in five minutes. We want to be able to go on Netflix and watch that video right now. We don't want to wait. That's our society these days. And so the dApps that are out there are still really dependent on single layer, single protocol type of chains that are slow. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And what's funny is, I'll break it down into two things. I think for the casual listener, when we talk about blockchain, there's still some thought, some notion that it's Bitcoin, that's cryptocurrency, it might be Ethereum, arguably, but 
what it really is about. About a year ago, you know, even a year and a half ago, I had Jerry Cuomo, who's considered the father of the IBM side of Hyperledger. Mm-hmm. And also, I was talking to Brock Pierce a few months back after the US mainnet launch. And everyone was talking about how we were only 18 months away from true interoperability and cross-chain, which I was a little bit skeptical about. Yeah. I think just what you talked about a couple minutes ago was really on point that there's so many things that need to happen before you get to, I'll use analogies like when you turn on water. Yep. It just flows. You don't think about the supply chain from the the source down through everything and all the stuff that needs to come in place. That's where we're at with blockchain. We still need the ability to get from the source of the water and turn on the spigot for it to come out. And that's the transaction transaction speed. Yeah, and I always think of that, and I've been saying this a lot lately, is that when you and I... We're obviously in the technocrat society where we understand these things at a higher level, but when people who are outside of that society, when they run a Google search, they're looking for the best recipe for brownies, whatever it may be. They don't understand that behind the scenes there's layers of processes that are happening at lightning speed to basically get that result to you immediately. And so there's this... I don't know if it's a lack of interest in knowing about that, but I think what happened is that when we ushered in the age of digital and mobile, I think people stopped caring about how things actually happen more, and they just wanted performance, they just wanted speed, and they really didn't care about all the kind of nuts and bolts that happen behind the scenes to actually get things to happen. And so to your point, in the future of blockchains, in the future of dApps, in the future of application layers, You have to have, say, a file storage program like a storage that uses proof of stake. You have to have a a query. You have to have other different, different layers that might be using different types of consensus algorithms to be able to get to their actual performance, working together harmoniously and making sure that all those validators are actually getting incentivized the way they're supposed to be getting incentivized. And so all of that, especially with on-chain governance, all of it has to work together in light speed. It has to work so fast because when that person or persons does that search or when they're trying to do that application, they're trying to use that application, if it's slow compared to what they're used to on the centralized kind of world, they're not going to use it anymore. Exactly. And so coming out of banking and corporate, I'm going to use a corporate term for what you just described. The point where you said people just expect things to happen, we say auto magic. Right. And then in terms of uh, actual transaction speed, when you pull out your Visa or your MasterCard, that's 24,000 transactions right. per second. Right. I think what we need to do with that is we need to address kind of a fair benchmark to that. So Bitcoin is a transactional chain. And so that is kind of what we think of as it relates to money, as it relates to transferring kind of assets and money. So that, compared to like the Visa comparison, is a little better. With Ethereum and other chains, those are computational. Mm -hmm. Those are actually Ethereum and Near and Agoric and some of the other smart contract platforms are really there to build the Web3 of the future. So using Visa as a benchmark for that is not really fair, in my opinion. Computational transactions per second don't need to be at 24,000 per second. However, obviously, if you're trying to use the Bitcoin rail to do payments, if you're trying to send wires, Yes, obviously having six conforms is important from a security standpoint, but you need to have it faster. It's a better transition. Well, well, the hope of EOS was supposed to be that, kind of averaging at 4,000, but there's a whole different set of slew of issues around that. Yeah, there's a lot of issues, that one. (laughs) Yeah, we won't have to go into that one. Well, David, I really thank you for the few minutes we got today. I look forward to hearing more from you on the show. Thanks. And once again, Keith Q. Silicon Valley Insider at Blockchain Bridge SF. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz, and you can find this segment 
on either our show or Base Lair with David Nage of Arkham. And we'll see you next week. The NTT Open Innovation Contest 10.0 is now open for submissions. Interested startups should definitely check this out. Your company could win up to $100,000 of funding and win a trip to Tokyo to get shepherded by NTT Data's ecosystem. Go to oi.nttdata.com or svn.biz for more information. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 